We're in James uh, chapter 1, looking in verses 2 through 8. I know we've looked at this the last couple of weeks. We've got to finish actually the verses 6, 7, and 8 today and continue. I'll, I'll read uh, what we've got so far. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 8 in the NIV. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, hupomone. Perseverance must finish its work or perfect its work so that you may be mature or perfect and complete, not lacking anything. If you lack wisdom, and again, wisdom is going to be tied into the, the need for wisdom to understand the situation. If you lack wisdom, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all he does. And by the time we get down to that word unstable, that word unstable means more than just uh, he's unbalanced. It means he's, he's got no direction. Uh, he's got no morals uh, because you're being pulled between God's ways. You're looking for a standard, but also the ways of the cosmos, which are going to be compromising and working to the advantage of the world. So you're living in it with a tendency to live for the eternal, the values of God that are absolute, but you're also being drawn to justify living for the temporal, the things that take care of your needs right now that are not based on righteousness. So you, your, your opportunities are all. I mean, everything is justifiable. Uh, you can Well, sometimes you think you should follow God because it's the right thing to do, but otherwise you can sometimes follow the ways of the world because it seems like the right thing to do. It's very, well, very, very postmodern in our age. Uh, and this becomes very archaic it becomes very destructive because there's no absolutes that that person is unstable uh in their their, in their soul they're unstable in situations you cannot count on him and this man it's it's going to say should not suppose and we'll get into that word suppose it's it's not the same as the word that we use earlier where it says uh uh, you know, reckon or figure, but it, it does mean they're supposing, they're thinking, they're anticipating, they're looking at this perspective from, you know, if I'm going to live for God sometimes, because it seems like it's the right thing to do when I'm in that crowd, but now I'm over here in the world, I'm going to do things and compromise all of these values for this opportunity here. Well, okay, that man should not figure, oh, look, I'm living wise, I've got all these things working for me. You should not figure you're going to get anything from God. God is not going to give that person anything. You are on your own. You're destructive to yourself, your culture, and God is just letting you run your course because you can't. That is not how you ask and receive from God. So that's kind of where these verses are heading. And James is telling these people, you've got to get yourself in line with what God is doing and seek his wisdom. So here on the notes, uh, it may be different online because I, I adjusted the page to print, but we're on page three on these notes it's the first page here just numbered three uh because i'm in the middle of this set of notes for the last couple of weeks here you've got the english standard version we looked at this last week if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously to all without finding 
or without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so this is the situation. They are in trials. Uh, we think it's like 45 A.D. They fled Jerusalem. They're in the, uh, you know, Gentile territory, uh, probably among some Jews that are themselves hostile towards them because they've accepted Jesus Christ. So they're facing trials. These trials seem to be mainly financial. Uh, it could be in the workplace. It could be they've been uh, uh, having to work minimum wage in the fields. Sometimes they're not getting paid because they've got no no re- repercussion, no uh, recourse on, on coming back. Now they're facing these trials, and so their tendency is going to be anger. You're going to see James address this. Uh, words, they're going to start to try to fight back. Uh, even the word murder is used. And so you can see uh, some of these Jews at this time, this is the fourth generation between 30 and 70 A.D., so there are Jews that are in the full force of the fourth generation uh, with teeth like knives to devour the poor and needy from the earth. Uh, in, in, they're at the end of their culture where their values are, uh, well, like, for example, the Zealots. The Zealots are some of the, the groups there uh, that are going to be rising up to fight against the Romans. So to think that they would be willing to murder their oppressors or to speak words and come against them, you know, publicly, or anger would be living in anger. Uh, these would all be justifiable in that culture in the world. It could be very. It's like you cannot go and explain this to these people that this is a wrong attitude because they're oppressed by the Romans. Uh, there's different cliques, or we could say groups. We've got the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You're going to have the Herodians. You're going to have the Zealots. You're going to have the, the middle class to the poor. You're going to have the upper class. They're all fighting for their own power. Very similar to what our culture is at today. That's what makes this book valuable for us today. And so when you look at this group of people, they're definitely living in the world, compromised with the world, trying to solve their problems with you know, anger, their words, their murder, uh, whatever it takes to survive and get what they need in this culture. Uh, and they're supported, and they're justified, and there's... Uh, people like John the Baptist or Jesus or James coming out and speaking to a people, they cannot be heard. I mean, look at Jesus. He could not be heard by the people. Uh, James, only he's he's talking to, as we began this this book, he's not talking about some of you if you lack wisdom. We saw last week, in fact, this verse, chapter 2, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, that is in the uh, tense or the the class of if, that if and you do, meaning you are here struggling to figure this out. I'm telling you, give this up and come over to this, of, to this side right here. So they're facing trials, mainly opposition, uh, uh, oppression financially. And now there says, this is good. You should consider this joy, not to be happy, put on a happy face. This doesn't mean be happy. This means joy because this is working for your benefit. It's going to move you into maturity you're going to be mature you're going to be complete in god because he's going to show you how to deal with this and you're preparing for morally living right in this age being able to live in this age and choose what is right and walk away from the ways of the world but also you're being perfected for eternity so this will have an effect on your life today but also in eternity this is a good thing yeah but i want to have better easier life well this is about living for God, being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, now that like, like, like right here now, it's like, what? That sounds confusing. Okay, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
and they do. They, you're going to need wisdom to understand this. And again, the word if is in the class. That means if and you are. So you're all lacking wisdom. Well, you guys need to. And here we begin. Chapter 1, verse 5. You need to ask God for wisdom. And this asking God for wisdom does not mean, uh, it, 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 it's not just a wisdom that, because we can define wisdom as, as experience. You know, you, we all know when we were younger, we had ideas, we had knowledge, we had information. But you go through some things and experiences, you gain wisdom. Just, just, you know, whatever your career is, if it's using tools, if it's interacting with people, you gain wisdom. And we could call that, I don't want to call it worldly wisdom, because worldly wisdom is identified here in this book as being opposite of the wisdom that's above. So there is a negative worldly wisdom. It's kind of what I was talking about where you're compromising and working the system, getting the temporal advantages, forsaking the, the things of God. But at the same time, there is wisdom just with experience that we could say it is part of reality. This wisdom that they're talking about is only available by asking God. And they're going to have to go to God, and they're going to have to ask God. They're going to have to open their heart and say, I want to understand this. It includes asking. Um, it's going to be very similar to wisdom, and I, I'll, I'll point this out. And I've said it a couple times already. The, the Spirit of God. Asking God for wisdom, asking God for the Spirit. And there's going to be parallels in Scripture on this. But by getting this wisdom, this insight from God, they're going to be able to move through these trials and understand with confidence what is taking place and go through the perfection. So they're going to have to ask God for this wisdom. So what we have written down these notes very quickly. Point one, if it says this is in the first class condition, if uh, you're lacking wisdom, and it means uh, they are, if and you are lacking wisdom, and wisdom is needed to stand in times of these trials because these trials are oppressive, uh, you're losing, there's no way out, but God is saying this is where you're going to need to be. Uh, this is where you're going to need to count on me and trust me to make it through these trials. Well, what we need to do is fight back. We need to burn down the buildings. It's like we need to, you know, protest. We need to, you know, murder some of these these people that are oppressing us in the field. It's like no, no, no. Now you're going back into the ways of the world, saying this is the way the world would handle it. God is looking at something bigger, and James is calling them to this higher standard. Uh, point A, wisdom is not merely a knowledge or intelligence. Wisdom includes practical application. Point G is important, I think, on this. Wisdom for James here is found in the heart and mind that enables the believer to live right. You're going to need, during these trials, these oppressions, you're going to need wisdom from God, something in your heart, in your soul, that allows you to continue to do right. During all these trials, he does not want them to forsake what is right. He does not want them to forsake being good or being merciful or any of these character traits, the, the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You need to make, God is going to empower you to, to face these trials, but you're still going to be able to be righteous. You're still going to be able to do good. You're still going to be kind. You're still going to have the nature of God manifesting. And that's why this wisdom seems like it's going to be connected to the Spirit because the Spirit is what's going to be uh, producing the nature of God in our lives. Also, when it talks about asking, uh, it's coming up here. I think it's at the bottom of the page. Um, 
asking, we'll just look at this. It's it ask God for wisdom so we can be complete. Uh, you can see the Greek word there. I've got it also uh, asking. Um, yeah, I've got it in a square in the Greek box there. Uh, it's not acquired by experience. It doesn't come from human effort. Wisdom comes from God. You must ask for it. Um, turn the page four. Yeah, there it is, point C. Ask is in the present tense. Uh, of the verb is in the present tense, which means uh, the process of, of asking is, is ongoing. It's not just you're going to ask one time. It's This becomes a lifestyle. It's an ongoing asking, which now we've got to talk about this just in passing because of the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit, this gets into the whole charismatic Pentecostal experience. One, the Spirit of God comes at the point of new birth. You, ex- you ex- accept Jesus Christ. You, you, you come to God for salvation. He gives you the Spirit, and you are born again. Anyone who does not, Paul writes in Romans, anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to Christ. I mean, if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit. So it is a one-time deal. You don't go back and forth and get born again over and over and over again. It's a one-time deal. But throughout the New Testament, it talks about, especially in the book of Acts, it talks about then Paul was filled with the Spirit. Or the Spirit came up on and filled so-and-so. Or Paul talks about, you know, Jesus talks about asking for the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit. Talking like it's an ongoing experience. Or something that uh, you need to be refreshed with. And that is what we're talking about here. We're not denying the fact that to be born again, you have the Spirit. But it is an idea that you are constantly in a process of asking God to continue. In this case, James is not saying spirit. He's saying wisdom. But I, I, there's going to be this huge overlay that spirit is going to be parallel with this. I'll, make that, I'll show you that. Um, so we have to answer this question. So there's nothing wrong with the Christian experience in, in, in being filled, continuously filled with the spirit. You are born again. You have the spirit. That's, that's eternal. But you have moments where you could be walking in the flesh and you need to get back with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is always with you, even while you're walking in the flesh. That's why it says you're grieving the Spirit. He's not going to leave you, but you're grieving the Spirit. But then there is the place of walking or being filled with the Spirit where you're actually producing. Now, we're not talking about the wild, charismatic, Pentecostal activities. Nothing more than just walking with the Spirit and Him being part of your life. Mainly, right here in James, being right or doing righteous things, doing good, mercy, leave the whole supernatural manifestation leave that on another conversation he's talking about these people facing life not with miracles and speaking in tongues but walking and facing life with righteousness instead of anger and murder and and words that are coming against people is is right here and so that's the ongoing continue to ask and that's the word right here and james is talking in context about wisdom but asking is in the present tense meaning a process an ongoing of continuing to ask, uh, and that'd mean you know asking for the Spirit and the Spirit's daily guidance. And I want to go to Matthew chapter seven, <coughs> if you don't mind. <coughs> and you can see this is similar to Jesus teachings here or his reference to this. Um, 
I'm going to just read chapter 7, verse 7, down through verse 12. And uh, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Now, again, in, in James, you have, have the opportunity to, to uh, there's explicit, and then there's implicit teaching here. Explicitly, we're talking about asking God for wisdom. If you want to back this up and make an overlay uh, implicitly about just general prayer, asking God for anything, there's going to be some correlation to just general prayer, but be very careful. He's giving you one target. The target is ask for wisdom. I mean, you can't replace wisdom with, watch, you can't replace wisdom with money because the issue right here is they're oppressed and they need money. They're, they're financially uh, poor. And so God says, okay, this is a trial. So how do you get out of this trial? What do you do? You ask God for money, and your trial's over. I mean, if that, if that's the, I mean, that just right there ices the argument. If their problem is finances, which it is, they're under oppression, they're in a foreign country, because they believe in Christ, they're being oppressed, rejected by the Gentiles, rejected by their, their Jewish people. Uh, so this is a trial. Consider it joy. Because if you ask God for money, he'll give it to you. Problem solved. That's not even in the book. The idea is the trial is not going away. You're going to continue to be oppressed. But in this time of oppression, you're going to need to be right. You're going to have to do good things, show mercy, maintain a righteous lifestyle. You're going to need wisdom. Now ask God for wisdom, and he'll give it to you generously every time, single-mindedly. He's going to do that. Well, can't we just ask for money? It's like, it's, it's like and so it, 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 it's apparently, obviously missing there. So we're going to, that's why I say, I don't want to just make this a, a, a message about prayer. We just ask God for money, whatever you need, and he'll give it to you. That's not what this is saying. This is saying you're in a trial. You need to go to God and ask for wisdom because this trial is a good thing. It's going to produce righteousness in your life. It's going to take you to a place of perfection. And so when you go to the mailbox tomorrow, you're going to have money there, and all your problems are solved. It's like, well, that's not how you get to perfection. Perfection is to endure this trial and to tap into God's, in this case, wisdom or spirit. Now, I'm going to insert that as, as a possible, you know, along with that. And this is what he's looking for, moral character, the nature, the fruit of the spirit. And so you understand that's kind of hanging right there. And so when we go to here, John, or Matthew chapter 7, the reason I have to stop there, because Jesus is going to say some things that are like blank checks, just fill in whatever you need, and he'll give it to you. And understand there is a place with God in prayer that if you need something and you go to God, there's a place to go to God for financial need, for support. There's a place to go to God for health and healing and, and relationships and all the things that concern you. Bring your prayers and requests to God. Make them known to God. But be very careful in just reading these things and rushing to the end like they're blank checks. Like, if the world doesn't give you all these material corrupt things, then go to God, and God will give you all the material corrupt things. It's like, no, the, that's, the ways of the world, that's, that's one thing. God is going to give you His wisdom, His Spirit, and it's going to be better, it's going to be long-lasting. So keep that in mind as we read this. Here it is. Chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open 
which of you, if his, now he uses the example uh, of, and this is going back to what we're at right here in James, is in these next verses, 6, 7, and 8, the character of God is going to be played out very, very large. Meaning you're going to have to trust the nature of God. If you do not trust the character of God, or if you're double-minded, I don't know if I really trust God, well, then this is not going to work. You need to know that when you go to God and ask, or you go and knock on His door, or you seek God, that when you find Him, you may not understand, it may be beyond your understanding, but God is good, and He's going to do good things for you, even though it may be a trial. It may be oppression. It may be something you're not happy with. It's like, seek God's wisdom because this is good. Jesus saying, ask, and God is going to give it to you. But understand this. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, and none of us would, if our son wants bread, we'll give him bread. So you, if you then, though you are evil compared to God, we are fallen humans, God is the righteous, everlasting, eternal one. If, if we will try to do what is good, then the one that cannot do anything but good, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now notice right there, you're going to ask him and he's going to give you good gifts who's defining good even in this verse right here he already says you who are evil know how to give good gifts for example bread but now the father who knows absolute goodness you ask him for something what he's going to do is good sometimes even it doesn't say it explicitly in here but even sometimes if you don't understand it thus as james chapter one they're in the midst of trials this can't be good we've committed ourselves to jesus christ and and all these problems break out in our lives why is this happening there must be a problem now no no understand god is good and you need to have some wisdom understanding how god is good in this situation number one he's helping you mature and produce righteousness in this life if you then though you're evil know how to give good gifts how much more will your father in heaven give good give good gifts to those who ask him so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets uh, if we go to Luke, I'm going to go to Luke chapter 11, chapter, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. I just want to check something here. Luke 11, verse 9. Yeah, look at this. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Same thing, but I want you to see where this ends. Chapter 11, verse 9 of Luke. So I say to you, Jesus speaking, ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him so there's one of our first correlations right there of asking the Father for things, and he's going to give you wisdom. Jesus is saying something very similar, and he doesn't say wisdom. He says the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the Holy Spirit is needed for being born again or to be justified in Christ, the, the, the beginning of the process of salvation where you become a son of God. Well, then you continually ask for the ongoing of the Spirit to continue to lead you, guide you, fill you, and uh, he will do that. And I think there's going to be a continued correlation. Okay, back to the notes, please. Uh, that is uh, page four now in the notes, or page two if you're counting one, two, three, four. Uh, and also he says he'll give to you generously uh, the word generously you can see i've got it underlined it's haplos it can mean generously if you ask god for wisdom or if you ask him for something god is going to give to you generously that is one word one way of translating it generous but the other one that is used throughout the scripture is the word simple or single-minded now this is this is important now that uh, translations don't always pick this up and i don't want to rewrite i'm not trying to rewrite the bible but this is flat out the meaning it can mean generous he'll give to you generously he'll give to you liberally if you ask him for wisdom he's not going to hold anything back but it also means he's going to be it's going to be simple it's going to be single-minded um it's going to be the ideal of of being focused on on one uh sincerity and this word that we're translating, you can just go through and I don't have it written down for you, but you can see a couple places in the New Testament where it re- refers to generous, but several more places where that same word is translated sincere or with singleness of heart, or we'd say one focus. And so if you ask God, he'll give to you single-minded, simply, in a single focus with sincerity he's going to give it to you and the idea there is that it's focused on this continue go you ask him for something good he's going to continue it's focused on going this way now the next verse or verse eight all of a sudden it's going to say now the double-minded man should not think he'll receive anything from god you go to god and you say i'm in a trial i need wisdom god is going to give to you singly sincerely focus on helping you understand and get through that process he's going to get it could be translated generously but also it's going to be focused on your project that you're working on your situation but if you are going to god asking and you are double-minded i i want god's will but i also want to compromise and make it work in the world too now that's that you're unstable you're not going to get anything because this is going this way and if you get something from god and take it and try and bring it this way you're, you're, it's not going to work you are not going to receive this so let's go back and look at this in the notes i'm going to read chapter one uh verse five if any of you lacks wisdom if any of you and you do all of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously or singly single-mindedly sincerely focused gives generously uh to all without reproach he's going to give to all and that would be all believers who are coming to him and the idea says without reproach and it will be given the idea of reproach i've got that written down there point six to any of those there that are lacking wisdom and all of you are lacking wisdom so all of you can ask for wisdom and he will not find reproach or find fault it means uh to revile to upbraid to be mocking he's not going to mock you why why don't you understand this 
and I kind of ended last week talking about that, is if a student comes and they sincerely want to know the answer, I'm not going to mock them because they don't know the answer. I'm a teacher. I'm going to focus sincerely. I'm going to help them and generously give them what they need. The same thing, when we fallen humans come to God and say we're in a trial, we know you are a good God, that you've got the answers, we don't understand it, he will come and he'll not say, well, you, you stupid people, why, why aren't you like me? Well, he knows why we're not, he knows that he's waiting for us to come ask for help. So he will not uh, find fault with us, he will not reproach us. If you come to God and you ask, even if you go back to the idea of asking for uh, forgiveness or repenting he's not going to mock you he if you're sincerely asking for forgiveness he's going to he's going to give it to you that he that's what's keeping you away from god is the fact we're not going to god because his doors are in a sense always open again we go through there is a time where he shuts the door and says okay you've gone too far i mean if it's you know a nation or it could be at point of death or if someone's committed the unforgivable sin shuts the door on like pharaoh hardened his heart finally got said, okay we're done god hardened his heart and he was still alive so i mean that's an opportunity that could happen too uh but james is not addressing that here so god will do that he'll give you wisdom uh uh focused on the purpose uh, sincerely and will not be reproaching you okay now ver- now we come to you asking we just described god the character of God, he's going to, if you ask, God will give. He will give, we'll say, generously. Uh, he will give, you know, uh, single-hearted, meaning it's focused on the purpose right here, and he's not going to mock. We'll just say no mocking. He's not going to ridicule you. That's, you ask God, that's what you're going to get. Now, the man, the man who's asking, here are now, some stipulations but let him ask in faith so the person that is asking god he's god's going to respond but understand you better be asking in faith now we're going to get some definition on faith here uh and i hope it's helpful not just really bland let him ask in faith with no doubting so there's the positive faith no doubting now, be careful right here, because in a very surface reading, no doubting, if you're like me, you read that, okay, I got faith, no doubting, well, hit me up anytime, sometime during the day, I'm doubting. I mean, there's, it's like, as a human living in this world, surrounded by the cosmos, at any given moment, I could be like, wondering about or questioning something and I may not have what we'd say faith. I may be, you know, uh, uh, be, you know, readjusting to you know some blow that came in my life. <clears throat> so this no doubting, uh, you be careful with that because everybody doubts, uh, and that's that's when you ask God for wisdom. When you start doubting, that's when you ask for the Spirit or you seek the Spirit or you start doing doing maintenance to overcome the doubting. So this doubting is, again, part of the Christian experience. Because if you say, well, no doubting, well, I mean, I doubt every day. I mean, I teach Bible class, but as I'm getting ready for class, sometimes I'm, is this true? Is this, or tomorrow, as I'm going through life, it's like, I'll start doubting. So this doubting uh, is going to have to be defined a little more clearly, and I think we can do that. 
And it's not saying never doubt. I don't, well, here, I'll just read it and you have to decide. Don't let me add to the scriptures or take away from the scriptures. But let him who ask, ask, ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So the one that is doubting is like a wave and the wave of the sea is not, is not, you're not standing on the beach and the waves are coming in, you know, rolling in one right after, almost like a rhythmic pattern. That's not a way. What did I write right there? Oh, that's a dash there, a wave. Uh, this is a wave. It is driven by the wind. This is out at sea. And the wind is just wrecking havoc on the water, and there's no pattern. It's just wave crashing into wave. It's not the rhythmic, you know, tide rolling in or the waves rolling in. It's the wind on a storm, and the the, the water's there. Now it's gone. Now it's it, it's moving around, and it's never re- never repeating. Just like there's no snowflake ever the same. Supposedly there's there's no wave that's ever the same. It's just chaos, and it's being driven by the wind. Uh, this person is unstable because there's nothing to it. Now. As we look at this, this is a great illustration. I want to spend some time with this. Uh, but, let him ask in, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a, a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, going, I got some basic things written down there on the numbers. Uh, this begins, uh, yeah, notice it begins with asking too. Chapter 1, verse 5 begins, tells you to ask. And then verse 6, it says ask again, but let him who asks. In fact, the first word is ask again. So this chapter 1, verse 6 addresses asking again. Here's how you ask. If you ask, chapter 1, verse 5, if you ask God, he's going to respond. Chapter 1, verse 6, ask, how do you ask? And it, it's going to describe it. Uh, ask, uh, how to ask in faith with no doubting. Uh, how not to ask. Uh, here, point A, with doubt. And this doubt I'm going to say, is referring to the character of God. Just like, notice what Jesus, both in Matthew and Luke, ask, seek, and knock. And then he went to, he says, even an evil father knows how to give good things to his children. So your heavenly father, understand, when you ask, you've got to understand, he is good. He is going to do the right thing, the good thing. So in both Matthew and Luke, after saying ask, Jesus went right over there and defended the character, the nature of God. And that is, I think, what we're talking about right here. And I think, for me, this makes sense. And you don't have to accept this, but everybody doubts, okay? Everybody doubts. But the thing you've got to, you've got to get solid, you've got to establish, is God is good. You've got to establish the character of God, that God is good, and you cannot doubt that. Because if you, if you, how can you trust someone if you think there's a possibility they don't have your best interest in mind? God is repeatedly saying, I'm doing a good thing for you. I'm doing something for you. Jesus died on the cross, and we can work from there. And God is taking you into his kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom prepared for you since the beginning of time. And just because you're having a difficult time in life right here, and there's a trial taking place, you still go to God and ask, how do I manage this trial? How do I maintain an honorable character that reflects you during the midst of this trial, can you help me? And, and the idea there is God is good, and he's not going to let that, that trial 
destroy the best thing he's doing in your life now the trial may be difficult it doesn't say consider everything joy consider the trial or your situation be in joy that it's taking you somewhere so the nature here that we're doubting god is good uh the no doubting is god uh, that god is do not doubt that god's nature and the waves and the wind are going to represent we i've got these written here um, let me read through this so I don't get too far off base. Uh, A, with doubt, do not doubt the character of God. Every believer has moments of doubt and questioning, okay? Point three, how can you trust God and his wisdom if you are not sure God is, has your best interest in mind? Point four, the waves of the sea and tossed by the wind. I think this is pretty, I think we can establish what this is referring to, at least especially in this illustration. Um, if the person does not know the character of God, their Christian faith is unstable as water in the wind. And this, my friends, is really where it comes down to for me with Generation Word Bible Teaching Ministry is this is the Word of God describes God. The Word of God explains the process that God is working. And if, if we can take believers who are they're, they're believe in Christ, but at that point, they, they've, they've not gone any further. They believe, I, I don't want to go to hell, I want to believe in Jesus, okay? And now they go right back to the culture, and the culture now begins to describe for them what reality is. They want to follow Christ, they want to follow the Spirit, they need wisdom, but they're in the world. You're going to have to get the Word of God and have this clearly established in your life that God is good, and when you go to Him, He's going to do the good things for you. The waves and the wind uh, are going to be the problem. Look at this right here. I've got it written down. We don't have to look it up. Uh, point one under 4a is Hebrews 11, verse 6. Again, Hebrews 11 is the great chapter on faith, describing faith. And, and chapter 11, verse 6, the, the first, one of the first verses there, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God or please him. For whoever would draw near to God, and this idea of you're wanting to draw near to God, you're gonna, you want, want his spirit, you want God's wisdom. If you're going to draw near to God, you must, one, believe that he exists. If you're going to go, you're going to have to believe that God exists. And our culture is very big on undermining the fact that God exists. They're trying to give you alternative realities all the time. There is no God. There is no need for God. God doesn't exist. So in our culture, our first... and in Hebrews eleven six, the first hurdle is that you must, if you're going to have faith in God, you've got to believe that he's there. If you don't believe he's there, you can't have faith in God. If you think we evolved out of mud, you don't have faith. You can't have faith because faith is not just believing everything works out in the cosmos because the universe exploded and here we are, it's all going to work out. It's believing that there's a creator and he exists. The other thing, okay, there's a creator and he exists, but does he even care about me? Well, look at this next one. For whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he exists, and two, that he rewards those who seek him. That he rewards those who seek him. Now, rewards those who seek him. If you seek God, he'll throw you down little pieces of candy once in a while. Well, if you're seeking God, what, the, what would be the reward for seeking God? It would be finding God, to, to, to see him, to experience him, to have him involved in your life ask knock seek it's the same thing and god will the good god will come to you and so if you've got to believe that god exists 
And if you're seeking him, he's going to reward you with his presence, with his identity, and his identity is good. And I think this idea here, if a man is, is asking in faith with no doubting, that would mean you've got to go to God in faith and know that he is a good God and what he's going to do in answering to your prayer you may not understand it, but it is going to be good, and you continue. If you, if you doubt or if you question, you question the nature of God. You're, I'm not sure. Watch. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go to church. I'll throw up a prayer. Uh, you know, if, if someone's in the hospital, it's like, well, we should pray. Oh, God, if it be your will, heal them. It's like, I don't know. Okay, you prayed. Meanwhile, you're going to turn and find other answers. You're going to go somewhere else. I, I got that taken care of, but I maybe need to get my bases covered and check with this, this, and this. Now, we're not talking about being irresponsible. If you're in the hospital, hopefully you've got insurance and you've got, you know, you gotta, you know your medical records are updated or whatever. I mean, you've got to be practical. We're not talking about just living off in, in weird land. But you're going to start looking at the waves and the wind, and it's going to become unstable. And here we go. Look at this. Uh, point b the winds could be a reference to the world or the cosmos so right here right here the wind uh and the waves the cosmos the world system and here we have it uh then is ephesians 4 verses oh i'm going to read it right out of the uh of the instead of the notes we get a little more context Ephesians 4, and I've got to be careful here not to get too far derailed in here. Ephesians chapter 4, and it, it, this is talking about the body of Christ, and it, it fits so well. Chapter 4, verse 11, verse, chapter 4, verse 11, it was he, Jesus Christ, who ascended, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pro- pastors and teachers, And the reason he gave him is, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Prepare, catartismos, which means to set in the right place. It's a word used for setting a broken bone. To prepare God's people for works of service. To put them in the right place for useful production. For works of service. So that the body of Christ, that would we call the church, not your local church on the corner, but the universal body of Christ, might be built up. So you've got these positions. You're going to put people in the right place within the body of Christ so they're all using their gift, functioning, so that they may continue to build up the body of Christ, bring believers in, and then build them up. Not just get them saved, but then build them up so they can know God is good, they can call out in faith, and they can begin to grow so that the body of Christ may be built up, edified, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, right here, I've got to stop on unity. So we all may, because unity is a big buzzword. We need unity. But here, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The unity the church is going to have is in the faith, and that's not the faith of believing God for something, but the, the doctrines, the truth, the body of doctrines that we hold to be true, and the knowledge of the Son of God. So our unity is not that we all lay down our differences and all just agree that we're all a little bit different. Our unity is not accepting all the corruption the world can bring. We all, well, we don't want to be judgmental. We're all going to be unified. That's the Tower of Babel, where we all just get together and just agree to have, just get along. For what purpose? Well, we're going to be against God. 
this unity is we're all looking to Christ and we're all growing towards Christ and our, our focus of unity is the knowledge of Christ. I'm over here moving towards Christ. You're over there moving towards Christ. And our point of unity is Christ. Now we may not agree, but we are agreeing that we're going this way. So we're moving closer and closer to the Son of God. That's our point of unity. Churches, institutions, cultures want to take out the absolute, take out Christ, and now we can unite because no one really has any values. We're all just united in just nothing. We're all united in the fact that, well, we, we, we're against God. So this right here, building up the church until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, teleos, there's that word mature, become perfect, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Right here, that character, attaining to the whole measure, you're going through trials, that you might be perfect, and you're going to be able to have the character of Christ in this age, in the, even in the midst of trials. Attaining to the whole measure of Christ. Then, when we get to that point, verse 14, when we get there, then we will no longer be infants that would be immature tossed back and forth by the waves see toss back and forth your infants you have no nothing solid you're double-minded you have no you're tossed back and you're like infants in the sea just tossed back and forth you at the mercy of the waves that have no pattern being mature your unity your focus in christ you're now mature the waves are swirling around you, but you're unmoved. You're going this way. Without that, these waves, you're like an infant. You may be a believer, but you're immature. You're being tossed by the waves. Now watch what's tossing the waves. What's tossing the waves? The wind. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind. Here's the wind. Every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So the wind is the teaching, and we're not talking about Bible teaching, or someone else is teaching this a little bit different than me. There's a different doctrinal approach to this. I would still consider that Bible teaching, although they may be a little bit different than my teaching. They're still teaching the Bible. They're still focusing on the goodness of God. We're talking about teaching from the cosmos, teaching such as there is no God we evolved or god is not good or we've got to when we when fight fire with fire when they're when they're treating you oppressive you got to be oppressive right back or whatever teachings and, it's, and it makes it very clear uh blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men right there cunning and craftiness I mean, the trickery, the manipulation, the false presentation of men in their teaching, manipulating the wind to move it around and keep you off balance, you're now unstable. So the man who's asking God for wisdom has to ask in faith, meaning you're going to have to believe God's there and that he's a good God. He's going to reward you and not be doubting. Well, here, let me go back to the text right here in James. Let him who asks in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So this right here, the person who is doubting is going to be over here in the world trying to figure out how to get through their trial using the worldly system, 
walking on the water that's being blown by the chaotic wind and the water's never the same and what's what's causing the wind men who are manipulating cunning and scheming men trying to teach or manipulate the worldly situations to their own advantage and now you're over here trying to win the battle of the world against the world who's a better player at the game of the world than you are because it's being driven by the forces of evil you're going to lose every time and now you're a christian you're in christ but you're under trials please god help me i'm going to go over here and see if i can figure it out and now you're over here tossed to and fro well look at the next verse right here verse 7 chapter 1 verse 7 on page 5 for that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the lord chapter 1 verse 8 he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways if you're going to go to god and ask god but then you're going to come over here and plug back into the world and try solving your problem you just ask god to solve your problem give me wisdom how do i deal with this trial yes i'm going to give you wisdom maybe it would include the spirit coming and empowering you to live a life that is righteous through your trials but you're going to come over here and begin to manipulate, try to manipulate the world that's manipulating you by others who are controlled by the rules and authorities in the heavenly realms. You're not going to win this battle. You're going to be tossed to and fro by the winds of the wave. That man is double-minded. God is single-minded. It says right here, he, he is generous or single-minded. He's going to take you here. He's good. You say, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Meanwhile, I'm going to go over here. Well, now you're confused. It's like, you're not going to get the, you know, the wisdom of God if he's trying to give it to you. You've already disengaged. You're over here trying to get the wisdom of this age, which is corrupt. It's going to defeat you. You're not going to get anything from God. And then you're going to come back over and say, well, you know, I prayed and nothing happened. God didn't do anything for me. It's like, oh, great, great testimony. That's not a testimony. You're a double-minded man. You're over here messing with, you're never going to get, you're unstable. And this is what it says. You're unstable in all your ways. That's what it says right here, chapter, bottom of page five uh double-minded uh is <laughs> dip psychos <laughs> or you can see the d di in there that'd be a fun word to work with this would be asking without mental reservation uh, meaning uh a mind that is not simultaneously also seeking the wisdom of the world uh you're gonna have to go to god and not be have reservations you're gonna have to be committed to him but you go into the world it means you're trying to figure out both ends of, you're playing both ends of the the stick if you want to say it that way um and page where's the word there it is bottom of page last thing on page six this person is unstable you can see the word right there in the greek meaning unsettled but it's stronger than just unstable it's not just ah he's unstable it means he's got no uh controlling rules he's got no principles to give him order there's nothing see hopefully the word of god is giving you some structure right and wrong some absolutes some direction some answers some questions that you can't perceive but it's giving you some structure the person that goes back and his double mind goes back to the world you now have no principles you just want your problem this problem solved well we could solve that just like this you could do this one thing now by doing this one thing uh there's maybe repercussions that are going to make it worse than it was you know imagine the world the answers the world will give you to solve your problems it's like well you took care of that problem but it created five more you're you're unper it's it's you have no principles no controlling order and it's going to lead to civil war within the soul and civil war within the culture as people continue to go this way it it's destructive because in god there's going to be right and wrong 
there's going to be good and there's going to be evil in the world it's it's the wind they're manipulating confusing uh the cunning and craftiness of men teaching and driving the solid foundation that's not solid it's it's a moving wave a moving target and your answers are going to change every day it's it's not just unstable it's anarchy it's it's craziness do not think god is going to work with that at all and so that's kind of the way this is is coming down right here as he goes through this um i'm going to read through it one more time and then we'll be done for the day you're at you're in a trial uh he says consider it joy because god is working something in your life if you do not understand that chapter 1 verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously or single-mindedly to all without mocking you without reproving you and it will be given he's going to respond to you asking jesus said it ask and you'll receive james says it ask and he'll give it to you but after you've asked for wisdom to how to handle this trial but let him ask in faith you're going to have to ask in faith and faith would be believing god is there believing god is good he's going to reward you with good things you can trust his character ask in faith knowing that you can trust god's character not double-minded nothing well i don't know if i can trust god you're committed to him but you're committed to him in your faith you're committed to him in your actions you're you're committed to this you're single-minded i'm I'm trusting god is going to show me what to do but let him ask in faith with no doubting doubting would be doubting the nature i'm going to ask god but i want to see what the answer is first because it may not be good it may not be what i want let me what what is the answer i'm going to pass on that well that would be double-minded it's like you're doubting god's answer we're not talking about just general doubt that people face all the time for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind the one who looks at god's answer goes hmm i may have some better options you're like the man who's over here on the sea that's unstable plus it's being driven by the wind in chaos and that wind is the teachings and connivings and manipulations of the men the world cosmos system which is controlled by the rulers and authority that's trying to crush you and you're over here trying to figure out an answer to your problem and you've now rejected god and gone to the world for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the lord he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways in chapter 1 verse 7 for that person in the commentators they say these two things the phrase that person and the word suppose they're both disdain that person that loser it's not like the man that trusts god it's like that man that person the one that's gone over there it's like the loser should not suppose and the word suppose i've got that written down uh where's oh yeah point b not suppose is from you see the greek word which means to expect or to suppose and interprets the ideal of a man who is thinking he is in the right by playing both ends or expecting that his plan so the words would mean thinking expecting imagining that man should not suppose that man that loser should not be over here thinking expecting or imagining 
Meaning, I think I've got this figured out. I'm imagining how good this is going to be. It's like, that man should not allow himself to think this is going to work. Because he is unstable, he's double-minded, and he's unstable in all of his ways. He has no principles, he's got no direction, he's got no foundation. He should not think, ah, he's figured it out. You're either going to have to, you believers, he's telling people in 45 A.D., you're going to have to go to God and ask for wisdom, and when you ask, he will give it to you. And it'll be single-minded, single-focused, it's going to be what you need. But when you ask, you've got to know that he's good and, and wait for him. If you doubt and you come over here and start dabbling with, well, we're also going to go over here and try some of these zealot practices. We're going to try to maybe set sabotage the business. We're going to burn the field. We're going to have words of anger. We're going to fight back. It's like, now now, now you're double-minded. You're asking God, but you're acting like the world. You're unstable in all your ways. You've got no principles. You are going to be very dangerous bringing civil war to your soul, civil war to your society. You're not going to get anything from God. And I got these verses right here. Middle of page five, you see this right here. For that man must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. Uh, look, in, I've got it, D. It says this man is a man who is compromise, compromised to get results, is rapidly changing their opinion depending on the crowd and the circumstances, and is wavering between two opinions as did, did Israel when Elijah was talking to them about Yahweh and Baal. And here it is right here in, the, in 1 Kings 18.21, first in the English Standard, and then next in the NIV. Elijah on Mount Carmel looked at the people. They were the people of God. They didn't know why everything was going wrong, why there's a famine. And Elijah announced there's going to be a famine. But why is this happening to us? And Elijah told him, you, you've walked away from God. You're going after Baal for the answers. Oh, we want God to bless us. Okay, well, God wants you to come and serve him. Oh, we, okay, well, we're going to go ask the Baals for, for rain and offer sacrifices, child sacrifices, the variety of things you're going to do. It's like, and God said, well, that's not going to do any good. And the people could not figure out what was wrong. They couldn't, they're in a place where they could not figure out their problem. We're in a place in our culture, people, it's like, we can't figure this out. Well, <laughs> you're going to have to be not be double-minded which you can't not be double-minded which means it's over you'll never figure this out right here elijah came near to all the people and says how long will you go limping between two different opinions if yahweh is god follow him but if baal then follow him and the people did not answer him a word in other words it wasn't just that they were worshiping baal they were also worshiping yahweh they, they were offering sacrifices to Yahweh using Yahweh's name, but it was completely compromised and worked in with the world. They couldn't make it. It's like, what do you mean make choose? They're the same. I mean, you can walk into some churches today and say, choose which day you're going to follow, the word of God or the ways of the world. And it's kind of like, what, what's the difference? It's like they're so confused. Or the NIV, Elijah went before the people and says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. It's not like, we don't even understand the question. And I guarantee there are people today that they don't understand uh, the difference between the ways of the world and, and coming to God and asking for wisdom in trials. They don't understand the difference. Why don't God just give me what I want? 
because God is working a plan that's bigger than your needs. He's working, taking you through this trial and producing perfection in your life. I don't know if I trust God. It's like, I better solve this problem myself. Well, now you're over here in the world and your relationship with God and the spirit and wisdom is severed. You're not going to get anything from it. Don't think you're going to get anything. You're unstable. You're dangerous in all your ways. Anyway, that's where we're at. We'll pick this up next week as James continues. And I think, the, I think it, you can see the theme kind of developing as we're going into this book. And it's not, it's not necessarily a kind book, but it is a very useful book needed for where they're at at that time. I'll pray and, and we're done. Father, we do thank you for the word that we hear in your scripture. We do thank you for what the Spirit of God is leading us to do today. We do ask that you would continue to speak to us, to continue to be patient with us, and ask that we would continue to have a heart that would seek you, seek your wisdom, and allow your word to transform our lives. We ask that we may be a light at this time in history, that we may, again, be able to distinguish in our own lives the difference between the word of God and the ways of the world, but also be able to demonstrate that and explain it to others. We ask for mercy on our nation, and ask that we, we again, may be part of the answer and part of the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.